0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, the stuttering Dustin Owen, and this dude, Brian Young. Brian is backed by popular demand. By popular, I mean I asked him to stay for a second episode, (laughs) right? So when when you are running a show and there's only two people on camera, then I at least have 50% of the vote, and then because Brian said yes, I'm assuming that was a... 50% vote yes. So he's backed by popular demand. And if you checked out our episode uh, a couple episodes ago, you saw Brian on founder, CEO of Home Lending Pal. Home Lending Pal, as I introduced it on that episode, is a marketplace Mm -hmm. for consumers to visit who are interested in buying a home but want to approach buying a home with their total financial picture in mind. Home Lending Pal is also a destination for mortgage banks, banks, and lenders to partner with from everything from utilizing of technology to make the process smoother and more efficient in terms of taking a home applicant from start to finish, from pre-qualified to closed. Yep. But we're not going to talk about that today, Brian. Good, because you look like you were coming from my job with that. (laughs) We are not going to talk about that because here's what's super intriguing. Okay, So if you didn't get a chance to check out the episode that was all on home lending, pal, and how it's going to revolutionize the industry. What we covered is Brian just recently raised $1 million, right? Think about this. You watch the TV show with Damon John and Mark Cuban, right? Shark Tank, people pitch their product and they get investors. Brian just had to do that, right? A company he started two and a half years ago by selling his Audi R8, his baby, yeah. Right? That was your baby. That was. Did she have a name? No, but I should have gave her one. You should have gave her <laughs> one. Okay. But his baby to to fulfill this vision, right? This, this financial technology company that's in the mortgage space. So the individual we're talking to, yes, he is a graduate of NC State. Yes, he grew up playing just about every sport, but basketball is his passion. Yeah. Yes, he is a son. But he's also started three other companies yeah. and sold through their companies. Yeah. So a little bit of background because what I want to do today, Brian, and, and why I wanted to keep you on the, the show and to do a second episode is so much of what we do on the loan officer podcast. It's not geared towards loan officers. It's not even geared towards a mortgage <laughs> professional. Like this is a show where we can talk about things that just weren't talked about at our dinner tables growing up, right? They weren't talked to us by our high school teachers. And in fact, in many of our college classes, these types of conversations weren't, weren't talked about, right? It's things like mindset. It's things like motivation. Um, it's things like, um, eliminating self doubt, right. Or, or increasing what can be. So your story is one that I'm personally intrigued. So if I'm personally intrigued, it ends up being a pretty decent interview. Um, so I want to know, like, at what age? So you're, you're 30 some years old? 34. 34 years old. So 34 years of age. So not only did you just recently close on a, on a a funding round that raised seven figures, two commas, Um, but you've started and sold three other businesses. What was the first business?
1: Uh, The first one was a lawn care company that I started in Japan. Uh, We sold that. And then I went to a trucking company. Um, and then I had a kind of like an online magazine while I was in college and then a digital marketing agency.
0: Okay. Um, I love how you said that just so matter of fact. So I hear Japan 34 years old, it doesn't add up. Like, how have you been able to live in Japan for four years? That was your first company, but you were probably a teenager, I would guess.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, my parents were military. So we were stationed in Okinawa, Japan and Kadena air force base, uh, Shout out
0: to all the military brats tuning in. Shout out in. to
1: all the military brats. Uh, you know, and, and we were fortunate. You know, they had a program in which you, uh, it's like a summer internship program in which kids under six, the age of 16 could work. Uh, and I just decided that I was going to do a lawn care company. You decided going, you're not working for anybody right, but yourself. not, not going to work for anybody but myself, you know. So, um, and it's probably just, you know, with my upbringing, the way my parents were, you know, it was always you could be doing more. Uh, and so, you know, I took a hundred dollars that my mom gave me instead of buying some shoes like she originally planned me to do. I went and bought a lawnmower, and that's originally how it
0: started. Are you a sneakerhead? Not really. My younger brother is, but not really. John Coleman, J.C. on the show, he's a sneakerhead. Oh, sneakerhead. He says reformed. I think he's closeted. I think he's just <laughs> he's he's like repressed some of it um, because now he's been on uh, with us here at Waterstone for the past year. And right. Unfortunately, he's like actually. Picking up what we're putting down on the show and he's learning. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's a sneakerhead. Um, but when you're in Japan, out of curiosity, were you the sole lawn mower? Or originally, you, uh, originally, I, but I, did you scale it? You had to it scale.
1: scaled. I, I scaled it and I had my friends come cut grass with me. <laughs> and uh, you were
0: making money, yeah, yeah, off of your friends, but your friends didn't care because they were making money too. They
1: were making money too. You know, the parents were helping us drive around our lawnmowers to different people's yards, and you know, it was a big summer thing. We probably made about forty grand that
0: summer. Forty thousand yeah. dollars, U.S. dollars. Yeah, U.S. dollars. We're not dollars. talking yen, not yen, because forty thousand yen doesn't get you not anywhere. That much, but no. we're,
1: we're talking U.S. dollars, and you know, we we were. When you look at the way the military base is built, you know, it's all off of a cookie-cutter template. So we based our pricing off of uh, people's uh, pay grades or their their rank, if you will, and we cut grass from it. And that's how we kind of scaled the business.
0: That's crazy. And you were able to sell that business before you left?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we we built it up. Uh, There was actually a program in which, you know, kids, like I mentioned, could go to work. And then uh, one of my dad's uh, former coworkers at the time uh, decided he was going to marry a Japanese woman and keep it going. And so that's what... What happened?
0: Out of curiosity, I mean, this was going on now twenty years ago, but um, is it still around? Do you know? Like, I don't what, even know. Yeah. I have no. <laughs> How idea. How cool would that be? I, How cool? Like two decades later, you are like, oh still, yeah, there,
1: people still in there cutting. Well, I am pretty sure someone's still cutting their uh, cutting grass over there. So. Yeah,
0: the grass hasn't stopped growing. The
1: grass does not stop growing. I hope.
0: Okay, second business was a trucking business. Yes. Uh, so I imagine at this point, I mean, trucks, big items. You must have been what in your twenties? I was actually. I was only seventeen when I started
1: the trucking company. Um, my uncle was a truck driver, and uh, when we moved to D.C., so we were outside of Washington, D.C. in Waldorf, Maryland. And, ah, uh,
0: shout-out to Waldorf, Maryland. Yeah. We actually have a Waterstone branch in Waldorf, really? Maryland. Really? Yes. Yeah, we yep. were
1: there for probably about a year. Okay. Uh, my sophomore year of high school, and one of the guys that worked with my mom, he had an ice cream store, and he was like, you know, hey, do you want me to help me work on this? And I don't know if you remember when Cold Stone first opened up, but when Cold Stone first started, they would sing, like, little jingles as you walked in. Uh, and that was kind of similar to what I wanted him to do. But then Coldstone started doing it. So I was like, well, there's no way we can compete with that. And, of course, Coldstone became this huge behemoth that it is today. Yes. Um, but with my uncle driving trucks, I was like, all right, well, maybe I could, you know, explore that industry. Um, and what ended up happening is that, you know, uh, I ended up – my grandmother got sick. I ended up moving back to Fayetteville, North Carolina. My mom comes down from D.C. thinking that we're going to go look to buy my first car with the money that I sold from from, from, <laughs> from the, the lawn the care, lawn business? care company. Okay. Uh, instead of going, we, we drive an hour up to Dunn, North Carolina, from Fayetteville, North Carolina to Dunn, North Carolina. Uh, we walk up. Uh, my uncle's with me. And the guy comes up and says, hey, Brian, it's good to, be, uh, good to see you in person. That We have so many conversations. And he was like, oh, no, Brian's over there. Yeah. Um, I took her to a, a, a truck, like an 18-wheeler truck dealership. And we were looking to, to buy an 18-wheeler. And she was really upset about that at first, but then she eventually let me do it.
0: Was your first car an 18-wheel truck? No. So I actually
1: actually did not get the car. I actually took my my aunt's hand-me-down to go to Corolla. My aunt got a new Altima, and I bought the truck instead. So then you had the truck. Yep. Who drives it? Uh, So my uncle started driving it at first. Okay. Uh, Then we eventually scaled to the point where we had a fleet of about 22 trucks and about 36 full-time employees, and we were doing uh, routes we would go from done north carolina down to florida to do basically uh, dairy routes we would go from florida to california uh usually taking orange juice we'd go from california to usually cincinnati ohio on heavier meat loads and then we would usually find a route a route to bring us back to usually bristol virginia uh and it varied based on what the product was and then we would come back from bristol uh back to, to done and do it all over again
0: never dead-headed yeah. Rarely, rarely, we try to
1: we try to avoid deadheading as much. as I won't say we never did it, but we try to de- avoid deadheading. For those that
0: listening that don't know the trucking business, <laughs> the way that you know Brian and I do, deadheading is when you would you would drive back with empty cargo. Yeah,
1: where you don't where you're where you're you're, you're having empty miles and you're paying your your drivers for that. But we had forty eight and fifty three foot reefer units that we were primarily utilizing for for those.
0: You know. Yeah. So now I know you're not bullshitting me because you totally just jumped right into my my deadhead. That was a trap, by the way. I'm like, this guy's bullshitting. There's no way a seventeen oh, year old. No. Started off by buying a a tractor trailer, (laughs) uh, so his uncle could drive it. And uh, and, no, you did. No. And then you guys sold it. Yeah, we sold it. How old were were you when you sold it?
1: Uh, I was probably about nineteen. So you know, when you look at the around this time of the subprime mortgage crisis, uh, there was also the big issue with gasoline, where diesel fuel was up to probably about five forty-five a gallon. Okay. Uh, When you're dealing with you know five hundred to a thousand gallon tanks, you know that's a lot of money that's going out per truck. and at that time, you know, I decided that we were going to shift more to an owner operator model where that would take off the, the cost of the fuel and the cost of maintenance. Where if anyone has a trucking company, you know, those, those are your two biggest expenses.
0: Yeah. So now your truck drivers aren't W 2, they're probably 1099. Exactly. So we're changing them
1: to 1099. And everyone's like, oh, this young kid is so dumb, you know, but they're all going out of business because fuel is too high. They're locked into these long term contracts uh, uh, in which they're moving the freight. And, you know, we moved more to an owner operator model and we were able to, relatively speaking, get by, yeah. you know. And as you
0: survived as, when so many others were dying, because we I'm survived. assuming this was what, 06, 07, 08?
1: Right, 08, 09, okay. almost, oh. almost going into 09. Okay. Um, yeah, one of the worst times in the U.S. economy. One of the worst times in yeah. the U.S. economy. Uh, and we were fortunate that, you know, when the company that bought us, while we had the the big fleet of, you know, owner operators, what they originally brought us for, we were working with Dart Advantage, the, the guy that my mom was dating. So my mom, my parents get divorced. Uh, she's dating another guy that's a big uh, freight broker for uh, for Dart Advantage. Uh, and so that what they were really buying is that his, uh, on the so you have you have your your driver side then you have your brokerage side uh, and they were more sort of buying the brokerage side which is really the value because now you're going once the economy bounces back now you have all these guaranteed runs that they yeah call I say ded- the routes yeah. basically the accounts are the routes yeah is like what basically, they were- they call them dedicated runs but they're basically the accounts the routes that you make money for so when I talk about that big circle that we were making they were basically buying the big circle knowing that they would be able to go back and renegotiate those accounts and routes but they would be locked in for you know, another two or three years at least.
0: So you're a tech guy. We're going to get into the tech side, but this is more in relation to your understanding of the trucking business. Out of curiosity, um, how worried would you be right now with self-driving cars or self-driving trucks if you still (coughs) owned your trucking business? Very nervous. I mean, one of the the biggest
1: liabilities for any trucking company is the insurance that goes for it. You know, and unfortunately, we did have accidents where uh, people had a – Accident with the truck, and we were liable for it, you know. So not only has someone lost their life, but now you have a big lawsuit, and insurance claim against you and your company. Um, so I would be really scared about, you know, how self-driving trucks and
0: oh, I, I thought I was angling more for. I'd be nervous that I'd be out of work. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I guess the driver would be out of work, but if you had the routes. The money's probably in the routes. Yeah, the, the money's in the routes. I mean, the drivers will be out, but there's always going to be
1: a part of, of the route that the driver has to, you have to have a human. But like with any industry, you have people that are really good and people that aren't. Uh, I think, you know, with, with the self-driving trucks, it makes, so most drivers can only, uh, I think their logs are only like 40 hours a week in which they cap it off the number of hours they can drive on a weekly basis. Uh, so this, the self-driving trucks could probably help with that, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes into- Makes sense. Delivering, you know, you have to have someone, like, you know, you might- come to a a Publix in Lakeland and their people won't unload the freight, you know, you have to actually have a driver to do that. Or sometimes a load gets rejected where, you know, you have 70 pallets worth of milk, but, you know, they might reject five pallets. Now that driver has to figure out what to do with those five pallets. And oftentimes we would just take it to uh, nonprofit organizations and donate it, but, you know, they're not going to touch that. You have to have a driver that's actually going to do that for you.
0: Makes perfect sense. All right. So a little recap. As a teenager, talking fourteen, fifteen, right? Started a lawn care business, scaled it to where you actually had employees hiring your buddies, sold it, right? This is a, a yeah. business that grossed forty thousand dollars in sales. Yeah. Then you parlay that a couple of years later into a trucking business where you start with one truck, you scale it to thirty-six trucks, you survived during one of the biggest economic collapses, well, the biggest of our lifetime. Yeah. And one of the biggest in the past century. Sell that. Now you decide. Hey, I think I should maybe go to college. <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna take a break, and I'm gonna go to college. But um, you chose your major.
1: Yeah. Well, my mom chose it. But <laughs> okay. Well, what, 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 wow.
0: What? What?
1: What did your mom choose for you? You know, because the, the trucking company started when I was still a senior. Like basically my beginning of my senior year when it was ending, you know, okay. so in my mind, I'm just going to be an entrepreneur. I'm not even going to go to school. Yeah. Mom, You're a senior in high school. Right. Yeah. So mom wasn't having that. No, you're going to still go to college. Um, and when I went to NC state, it was an hour away from home. So it's far enough where mom can't just pop up on me, Yeah. but close enough where I can make it home. in, yeah. You know, yeah. in a decent amount of time. You need
0: a good home cooked meal. Right. Maybe you know, your I, laundry's getting a little bit nasty. need to wash clothes. Yeah. yeah
1: you know, so, um, when I went to NC State, you know, I, I chose sports management with an entrepreneurship minor, but I thought sports management was going to be more so teaching you how to be a sports agent or how to own, how to own a basketball or football team. I didn't think it was going to be what it was, which was more, you know, how, understanding how to work within the parks and recreation of your local community, of your local community yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So <laughs> completely wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, but the entrepreneurship program was really everything and, and more. Uh, you know, they really taught me more about entrepreneurship and more importantly, you know, I think I'm torn on college. You know, I think everyone goes to the same schools and and when you graduate, you have 20 to 30,000 people that are, you know, graduating at the same time with you, in many cases with the same degrees as you. Uh, But for me, when I was in school, I thought it was more important to network, to find people that could help me accelerate my career and personal life more so than help me get an A on a test. So I would often, you know, go to different networking events after school or, or, or after classes uh, in which I was able to network and meet with alumni that were usually, in many cases, the CEO or C-level executives of either their own company or you know larger companies that had affiliations to NC State.
0: Um, I love, 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 love what you just said. It's as if you might have listened to a previous episode and I planted a 20 in your pocket and say, hey, Brian, can you make sure you mention this? Because we talk about this. Like, a lot of our audience, they are, they are, um, I say the word kid, look, I'm 42 years old. So if you're, if you're 32 or younger, I'm probably going to call you a kid. <laughs> it's a, a term of endearment for me. Uh, but if you're a younger professional, someone yeah. who is in college, graduating college or around that, that age, I think it's paramount that they understand and know from people like you, like to hear it from me, but you know, at this point I may be a broken record, but hear it from you. Echo the fact that look, a college degree, it's like, eh, do you need it? Do you not need it? Here's what I can tell you. It doesn't hurt you. It's a fantastic insurance policy. But what being in college did for you, at least what I heard what it did for you, it gave you access. Yeah. Like that's what I love college. College gives me access to a people who came from a background that I didn't come from. Yep. People who think a way that maybe I don't think. And then it gives me access to people that are 10, 20 years, maybe even thirty years my senior. That if I had not gone to this school, had I not wear the same colors, that I wouldn't have had access to them. And NC State gave you that.
1: It did. I I think most people go to college for a degree, but I went to college for an apprenticeship for the exact stuff that you were talking about, where I was looking to be around people that had the, the lifestyle, that had the ambition and success that I eventually wanted to achieve one day. And I knew that those people aren't in classrooms per se. Uh, you know, if it was up to me, you know, I, I think we we teach students that, you, you know, you go to high school, you pick a college, you go rack up a bunch of debt in college, but yet you get out and you really don't know who you are or what you want to do. I think, you know, if you took a year or two, if there's a way that we could take a year or two to really find out what my passion is, what do I like doing, and then choose to go to college, that would be a lot better. Because, again, like I said, I went to school for sports management, got there, and it wasn't nothing like I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. you know, but... I was told, hey, well, do sports management because you love sports. Uh, it's management, so it has to be like business management, and that was not the case at all.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, I had seven internships. <laughs> seven. And all seven of them taught me the same exact thing, which exactly. is I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And so whenever someone asked me for advice, like younger younger folks, and I'm like, look, intern like crazy. Yeah. At, a minimum, at a minimum, it's going to teach you what you don't want to do. Exactly. It's going to expose you. But – Hopefully, it may expose you to something you're passionate about, but all four, five, or eight internships you do, if you do it right, if you do it the way that Brian Young did it, it will expose you to people. Yeah. And people and those connections you make with those people, that's where the magic is. Yeah. Um, so you're in college. We've only done two businesses, and I've, I've said you've, you've bought and sold at least three. Yeah. We've done two. What was the third one? Because I'm imagining if we're going in chronological order, here you are a sophomore NC State or a junior in NC State. You've realized that sports management, that's what your mom picked for you, but you really don't want to be a community park
1: yeah. uh, person, I right? Was, Parks and think,
0: rec isn't yeah. isn't really what what you're feeling. Entrepreneurship program, you love. Yeah. Right? That's that's your jam. Um, what business did you start in college, and yeah. how did that one go?
1: And nothing against Parks and Rec guys; there. their No, 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 it's, no, nothing <laughs> against anybody. Look, right. I'm a
0: I'm a firm believer that we all have our role, and everyone should do what makes you happy. Yeah. I mean, I tell my kids I have a 13 year old and a 16 year old. Like, if it makes you happy, you should do it. Yeah. But on your way to getting there, allow me to educate you in things on like ROI. Right. How much money are you going to spend in order to have that career or or to, to own that particular business? And is there an ROI there that makes sense? Yeah.
1: And I think that's a, a, a good segue to the, the third company I okay. started. So, you know, as you, you meet people like Dustin when you're in college that are talking about ROIs and profit loss statements, you realize that all this stuff isn't stuff that I'm learning in a book. So what I decided to do is I called it Business Empire Magazine, but it was basically like an online network in which you had students, that, you know, people that were involved in the entrepreneurship program, students involved in the entrepreneurship program, alumni and then professors and the whole goal the whole purpose of it was to help you become more prepared for the real world because i didn't think that what we were learning in class outside the entrepreneurship program was really anything that could be transitioned and to your point a lot of people go into internships and the people that are running those internships are like hey you know sometimes these people aren't prepared at all <laughs> you know how do we help them um and so you know we, we built that pro or i built that that platform we launch it. I get a bunch of student athletes to come help me promote it and stuff. I nearly get kicked out of school. What? <laughs> um, you know, uh, they didn't like me advertising my brand on student athletes without paying the the university, the NCAA. Unfortunately, but oh
0: yeah, no yeah, no no, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's like pissing off the mafia. Yeah, like you just don't do that. And Disney, I, there's like there's two folks now three. Yeah. <laughs> there there's there's the mafia, there's Disney and the NCAA. Exactly. Don't go. Dipping your hands in their back pockets, in their cookie jar. Yes, and
1: uh, so that was a no no. But it did show that you know that something like this could be utilized. And at the time, they were just launching the entrepreneurship initiative, which is basically their minor in entrepreneurship. Uh, so what ended up happening is they ended up buying that platform, that that thought process, and letting me build it get, uh, build it out for NC State, uh, which eventually became the entrepreneurship initiative.
0: So this is going on now, 10, 15 years ago. Your idea was a website yeah. that you could push. College students, too, that would teach them everything they should have learned in college, yeah. but they weren't. Yeah, and, and to encourage them
1: to uh, to enroll into the program. You know, when I started the entrepreneurship, not, well, I didn't start it, but when I enrolled in the program, there was only like 22 of us. Uh, by the time I left school and came back to give speeches, I think they had over three or 400 students per class, like in the just general election class. Uh, so it was definitely one of those things where it gave them the presence to drive awareness that hey, this is a career opportunity. being an entrepreneur is, is a, a real career. Well, you know? and
0: it's something that you'll find, and you and I have found this because both of us have a, a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. You may be more than me, but the the masterminding that we do, yeah, right? Me hearing you talk is me inspiration. Right. Me hearing you talk sometimes is what allows me to pick myself up because I was just knocked down for the 27th time. Yeah. I was just kicked in the junk again and I have to be able to swallow it and get back up and say, no, I got this. Um And it also introduced me to ideas and concepts. Yeah. I mean, so much, if not everything that we talk about on this podcast, I was telling my 16 year old this, he was. Get this for my parents out there. My 16-year-old tries to to throw me a compliment the other night, (laughs) right? He and I drive to the gym together, and he made a comment, and it was touching. He's like, Dad, you're so smart. I'm like, well, actually, I'm not. You know, like when I go back and show you my grades and show you my SAT scores, what I'll show you is I may be above average, but I'm nowhere close to, like, genius level. Yeah. I said, but I'm experienced. Yeah. You know, I'm experienced, and I'm exposed, and I'm well-read, and I'm well-traveled. So all of that comes into play, but programs like the entrepreneurship program at NC State when you started, but then why you started your your online magazine was, was that what it was called back then? Online magazine? It yeah, I a guess it would be online magazine. I mean, it was yeah. a website. Yeah, a it's, website. You know, a yeah, website. A website was to, to promote people to be involved because you understood that getting together and sharing ideas was what helps make an entrepreneur an entrepreneur. Yeah, Like loan officers who are still tuned into the show, like I'll be the first to tell you, know who the top LOs are in your market. And you should go have lunch with them on a monthly basis. Just five of you get together. If you don't like lunch, do happy hour. If you don't like happy hour, go golf. If you don't golf bowl, yeah. do something where if you're with Waterstone, get with someone from Prime, someone from Movement, someone from Homebridge, and someone from Fairway. What you'll notice is very rarely do you five actually compete against each other, right? Ideally, you're competing against the big banks. Yep. You're competing against um, the rocket mortgages yep. and share ideas, and that should go for almost any industry. You're talking entrepreneur. I'm talking loan officer. I'm sure we could implant dentist. Yeah. Attorney. Like the purpose of, of industry functions is just that. So, so you did that, got your hand slapped. Yeah. Right. So you got your hand slapped, but they bought it from you. They yeah, bought so, the idea.
1: So Jennifer Caps was my main professor and Tom Miller was the, I guess, the dean of the entrepreneurship program. Um, And they basically wrapped their arms around me to basically say, you know, hey, we're going to work with you on this. Jennifer was actually the one that pushed them buying the the website. Uh, But then Tom came as more of the alumni start hearing my story. To your point, networking, going to dinners, going to, you know, the different after hours activities that the entrepreneurship program was putting on. More alumni was like, hey, you know, I want him to come do an internship or I want him to come work for my company. Um, So instead of going to work for one company, I decided that why don't I just create an agency and have them all as clients for consulting. Um, and the reason that I, I felt that was a better path is that if you hire this young, the time I was probably 19, 20, maybe, you know, you, I'll, I'll get some cool projects, but you're not really going to listen to me that much, you know, in terms of things that are going to truly innovate a company. But for some reason, when you have that consultant title, you look at it completely differently. Like, oh, he's being brought in
0: just to to do a digital transformation is what a lot of people used to say. I mean, was that your specialty at this point? Like, at had, that point? At, at this point, you had figured out search engine optimization. Had you figured out website development? And that's why the companies were reaching out to you? Or? So
1: I learned. So I, a guy, Bobby Pham, that I played basketball with at NC State, he was a big what was known as affiliate marketer, which is basically I spend a dollar to make $5 back. Okay. And this today, these days we call it data-driven marketing. But we were doing it way before that. So I was like, okay, well, what if I just took this and, and – use it for clients, you know? So we started doing it a couple times, you know, we did it for one real estate firm. Uh, they had a couple of local, um, apartment buildings near campus that uh, I think two weeks out before, you know, schools set to return, uh, they were only at 33% capacity, basically utilizing SEO and paid search. We put them to a hundred percent capacity within that two week period. Wow. Um, And and, and your pitch to them was, give us a dollar, we'll give you five back. Give us a dollar, we'll give you five back. That if we can't do this, that we were going to just basically say that, you know, here's what we're expecting to do. And if we can't do it, you don't have to pay us. Okay. Um, And that's really how we started out. And then as we kept growing and scaling... Uh, that was beginning of my sophomore year by the end of it we were doing about 120 thousand in revenue just a couple of guys just sitting on a computer
0: and and were you teaching yourselves how to do the content creation and the and the and the keywords or had you taken courses on that? So
1: I was fortunate that I got around guys that already
0: knew that I mean these, okay. were, these were guys that were spending
1: you know they were young guys but they were probably spending a hundred thousand dollars a month and like four or five hundred thousand dollars back uh, per month. And they were looking for to teach other people how to help them make more money. So that's back in the days where, you know, if you used to get those emails to say sign up for this email for this free cruise. Yeah. They were doing a lot of that. Okay. Um, but I was learning, you know, as I was working with them, I was learning, you know, the process and the procedures. And then just me being curious, it's like, okay, well, SEO is good, but you also need paid search. You also need social media. Uh, so I just kept teaching myself. And one of the ways that I learned, and I suggest others learn, is that you know, there's a lot of uh, certifications that you can get within different industries. I just started going taking certifications. I got certified with Google, with mobile, you know, anyone that I couldn't, eventually with Marketo. Uh, and I, eventually after I sold my last company before this one, I went and worked for Marketo for about two and a half
0: years. Uh, you used the word um, curiosity, I believe, or at least yeah. I heard curiosity. Yeah. So there's a, a phrase that I'd never really bought into and understood, and it's curiosity killed the cat. And I would say curiosity, or lack thereof, kills your career. Like I love what you just said. Like listening to your talk, you a surrounded yourself around great people. Yeah, right. So much of life is is who you put yourself in front of or who you surround yourself with. Yeah. Um. Now sometimes, f- folks need people like you and you and I to introduce them. You and I to bring them to the table. Right. To invite them in. Yeah. Right. Just because maybe their their background and their upbringing never exposed them to to certain to certain avenues that we have access to, but. Curiosity, I teach all the time, never lose your childlike curiosity. Yeah. It was your curiosity that you're like, well, these guys are doing X, but why aren't we doing X, Y, and Z? Yeah. How do I learn it? How do I? So if you think curiosity killed the cat, wherever that phrase came from, lack of curiosity is going to kill your career. It does. It I does. mean, you, you need to stay curious. And that would be some advice that I would give to anyone, regardless of where you are in your career. If you're trying to maintain or take your career to the next level. Which, by the way, I found, and I'm sure you have too, in business, you do one of two things. You're either going backwards or you're going forwards. Yeah. You're never staying the same. Yeah. Right? So in order to continue going forward, you need to continue to stay curious. You want to know why. You want to know what else. Um, you want to know how we can make something better. Yeah. So you sold your concept, which was the website, yeah. to NC State. Yeah. They kept you on? Or, or at that point, that's when you parlayed that and to be introduced to some of the senior alumni and you started consulting with them.
1: Yeah. So the contract kept me on to basically maintain as I, as we built the website to maintain the website. Uh, And I basically just hired a bunch of the guys I was already working with, and it ended up becoming an agency in which we then turned it into, instead of going and working for one of the alumni, we would just bring them on as clients, and they would work under the agency as our uh, clients of the agency.
0: How long did, did you have the agency for? Uh, about nine years before we were acquired. You were acquired. Okay. Yeah. So that was the fourth company. Yeah, if we go was... back to 14 years of age, all the way through, what, you were 30 at that, then? At that when, time, when... I was
1: probably 26, so that was 2013. So the company gets acquired in, on November 31st of 2013. Uh, December 25th, my mom gets diagnosed with terminal cancer. So it's like this extreme high down to this extreme low. Um, And, you know, I said that, hey, I would never go back to doing business again. But in that time of us getting acquired, uh, at that time, what used to be Time Warner Cable uh, was one of our biggest clients. And um, we were going through a marketing automation. Email marketing is what everyone calls it now. Back then it was more of marketing automation. Uh, And we were going through the process, and a couple of their – folks was like hey you know this well enough you should come work for us and you know you kind of like whatever laugh it off like yeah you know if someone comes and tells you hey i'm gonna give you a job it's like whatever like you know you don't really think too much of it um but then they came back you know two weeks later and said no we were really serious about that um and before i knew it they were flying me out to silicon valley and i think that's when that whole you know seeing how companies in silicon valley it's a, it's a different world out there um, did you
0: get to live out there
1: so i actually lived in north carolina but okay. i was going i was probably going back and forth so i was a remote consultant, so I usually traveled a lot. So I was on the road probably 75, 80% of the time. Uh, but I got to go to Silicon Valley quite often uh, because the company Marketo was actually headquartered in San Mateo. So, uh, so I got to go out there and really experience the whole startup lifestyle. And I think eventually, you know, it's like, hey, I might do it again, I might not. And then after Marketo was acquired for like 1.47 billion by Vista Equity Partners, I eventually said, okay, well, can't go. I was in a leadership role there. So I was like, I can't go to Silicon Valley don't want to go to Atlanta um so I'll just take my severance package and stay in North Carolina and eventually I decided I was going to come to Florida to be close to my mom or have my mom at that time we were thinking that she wasn't going to make it okay so you know coming to Florida was more so I originally went to Miami in 2017 moved her here and then you know as I started focusing on home lending pal I decided to go all in and just move to her couch
0: you know Miami is not Florida, right?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's, it's South America or it, <laughs> Central America. It's, sorry,
0: it's a wild, awesome place. It is. A it's like no world. other place that I've been to. Uh, Barcelona, Spain is about pretty wild and crazy and Art Deco y. Yeah, you know, but yeah. yeah, people are like, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been to Florida, I've been to Miami. I'm like, eh, that's not Florida. Like Jacksonville, <laughs> Tampa, Orlando, even West Palm Beach, yeah. Fort Myers, up in the Panhandle. Although parts of the panhandle, I don't know if most Floridians would actually claim. Yeah. Uh, We might give some to Alabama. Um, but Pensacola, I love. Panama I say, City, I love.
1: I would say Florida probably stops at Boca Raton. Then after that, you're pretty much in uh, Central America. Yeah,
0: but it's Miami's an awesome place, but it's a, it's a joke for us Floridians, which <laughs> I guess we, you wouldn't call yourself a Floridian. You're a North Carolinian?
1: I'm a North Carolinian. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm technically a military brat, but I, I claim North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina, because I, I, I lived there the longest, and I was raised yeah, there.
0: Yeah, you, you carry that accent. Yeah. Like, you carry you, a little bit of that accent. A little not, bit. Not super strong. Yeah. right. Not like you're from Hickory. Um, certain, but, certain words, yeah. Certain, <laughs> certain words. I can hear it. How about this before we wrap up? Um, how, like, how did you do all of this? Like what motivates you? What, if I'm listening right now, right. And I'm in awe, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I'm just impressed about the lawn care business, let alone the three others that came about it. And you know, the new venture home lending pal, what makes you so unique? What makes you so special? Um, that you're able to achieve all of this and you haven't stopped.
1: Failure. That's a really weird answer but failure. I think most people look at failure as something bad. But out of all that, I can't tell you one thing that I've learned from success. But I can tell you a whole lot that I've learned from failing.
0: So you're telling us that you only told us about the the four that have worked out well and the five that's very the fifth one that's promising that there's another Half a dozen or so?
1: No, there, there aren't any more companies. I mean, the fifth one could be the biggest one. It could be the biggest failure. Now, you know, I just received a, a million dollar investment, which I've never had before. You know, and there's a lot of potential that it could go really well. or could go really bad. But the thing is, is that I think most people fear failing. But when you really think about it, they don't really fear failure. You feel the consequences of failure, you know, not having the the steady paycheck, not having the, the home or the luxuries that you like, you know, the judgment from your family. You don't actually fear Failure, uh, for me, when I started building those companies or building, I made a lot of mistakes. But every company that I made a mistake with, for the next company, I learned how not to do that same okay. mistake. you know, and that just kept compiling to where we got to today. Where now here I am with a company that just received a million dollars in investment, and I understand some things that I shouldn't do. There's going to be things that I'm going to mistakes that I'm still going to make, but yet I'm not afraid to make those mistakes now. Uh, the biggest thing is that if I make a mistake, I fail fast and then learn from it. I think a lot of people fail and they just give up. They just don't want to learn from it. But, you know, I'm okay with failing as long as I learn from it. And so I think failure is really what drives me because I don't want to experience that failure again, you know. So
0: What's one thing that you're grateful that your parents taught you growing up?
1: There's always someone out there working harder than you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, even... With all that stuff that I was doing, you know, before my mom got diagnosed with cancer, it still felt like it was never good enough. And I don't think that, you know, when you're in the midst of it, you like, oh, I can never please this woman. But I think the really the the thing that she was trying to teach me is that, you know, you have to be constantly innovating, uh, either yourself, your product, uh, even your your marketing approach. You know, you have to constantly be innovating because if you get complacent, someone will replace you. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing they taught me growing up.
0: How about what they didn't teach you? Is there anything that you look back, the the 34 year old you, and you look at the 16 or 19 year old you that you're like, gosh, I could have expedited my learning curve if I just was taught this. Um, credit.
1: You okay. Is the first part, and then I think uh, like to get it and use it. To get it and use it. How to properly use it. You know, uh, most people use credit for stuff that they shouldn't need or that they don't need. Uh, but I also think. Um, people constantly teach you how to how to make money and honestly that's the easy part making money is easy keeping it is the hard part and i don't think they taught me how to keep it as much as uh i would have liked you know growing up
0: okay like just like basic principles like basic
1: principles you know investment making investments you know um stocks bonds stuff like that where you can
0: compound interest, compound Law of 72. interest yeah. you know
1: using your money to work for you because as long as you're working for your money you're you're relatively speaking, forgive me, but you're a slave to mm-hmm. whatever you're working for. When your money starts working for itself, you know, when you're asleep at night and your money's working, that's true freedom. Uh, and I don't think, you know, being in the military,
0: I don't think I was taught that. I, you know, I had to go to college and learn that. For anyone who's tuning in just because you're a friend of Brian's or you're you're a, a business associate, one, thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Lone Officer Podcast. But, you know, what we're talking about right now, this last five minutes, like that's the motivation of this show. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we're going to do episodes that are geared really towards mortgage professionals and helping them, but ultimately, we're here to help all people. Yeah, we are. We're here to help teach everything that should have been learned in high school, but it just wasn't taught. Yeah, we want to expose the Brian Youngs to credit at an early age, right? We want to uh, expose other people to. um to eliminate the self-limiting doubts yeah. that they have to let them know that life is about failure. Failure is what's going to lead you to success. Yeah. Right. And, and tune in. Like if you like what we're talking about right now, we have a catalog of like 80, almost 90 episodes of this stuff. And it's finally starting to gain traction, but I encourage everyone, if you like what, what you're hearing and like what you're seeing, please like us, subscribe to us. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Apple, we're on Podbean, we're on Spotify, like at the Loan Officer Podcast. If you're looking us up, type in the Loan Officer Podcast, you'll find us. Yeah. And comment if there's something you want to hear more of, let us know. If there's a guest that you really liked, let us know. I'll get them back on. If there's someone you hated, don't let me know, let JC know. (laughs) All right? Um, and then JC will decide whether or not we're going to tell that person that that they weren't liked, or we're just going to go ahead and delete your comment. Appreciate you uh, tuning in, <laughs> but no. But but full disclosure, like we love doing this. This is about giving back, Brian. Thank you for for agreeing to extend your time here. Yes. Um. Best of luck with home lending, pal. Thank you. Like unicorn, here we come. Unicorn, here we come. Unicorn, here we come. He's Brian Young. I'm Dustin Owen. You've been tuning into the Loan Officer Podcast. That's all we have. Deuces. thank you